Hey everyone, and welcome to Nerdin' About. I'm Space Michael, and with me, not so much as always these days, Aww. as she's been working pretty hard on her other amazing podcast, Nice Jeans, that is the Rat Detective, Dr. Kaylee Byers. Oh, it's so good to see you. I have missed your face, so it's nice that I get I've to see your you face. Too. Yeah, this is fun. We wrapped up our season. Uh, wow, it's been three seasons. Do we do three seasons? That doesn't We've seem done possible. Three. No, I know it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm impressed. I'm impressed by past us. I certainly am as well because it also you can think back to like the beginning of this whole situation that we're in and all that time that has passed and you know thinking about what we're doing now and I know a lot of people have been asking you know when's Nerd Night coming back and like the honest answer is I, I don't know right it's it, yeah. you know we're still sort of in this I know it is wild to think of how this really started as a way to like kind of get through <laughs> the pandemic and <laughs> to be over two years later and be like, no, we're still in it. And nerd night still isn't happening. But I know I am desperately missing nerd night. I think I want it. We probably want it to come back more than anyone, but it just still feels maybe not, maybe not right to put everyone in a room and have everyone breathe yeah. on each other. So <laughs> yeah, well, it's really. To. There's certainly lots of opportunities, I think, uh, for people to go see events. I think there's, you know, some events you can go to, like I'm going to see craft work tonight, you know, and I'm like, I'm, you mm-hmm. know, I'm wearing a mask, but I mean, I'm seeing craft work. It's going to be amazing. Um, and, you know, Story Collider, I know, is going to be doing an event in the fall here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there are events that are going to be out there. You know, there's not going to be as many events, you know. So if you feel yeah. comfortable, I, you know, I definitely encourage people to go see events. And, you know, at some point, you know, we'll come back at some point, I figure, with at least to do yeah. at least one show. Just don't know when. For sure. For sure. I mean, and I think part of our problem is like when we get back together, I want to breathe on everyone. Like I just want to exhale really deeply on every single person who comes. So it's really a me thing. <laughs> yeah, we're going we wanted to get very messy, like drinks flowing. Um, just get yeah, back to it will be messy. Yeah. Uh, So for this episode, you know, we don't have a special guest, but we do have lots of clips from our past guests of this past season. We had lots of uh, extra content in our conversation. So many amazing guests that we had on this season. And I thought that we could maybe focus in on some of those bits of the conversation that we pulled out um, on some variety of different themes. And mm-hmm. the first one that I want to focus on is from Aaron Fairweather, who we talked about ants in a wonderful conversation uh, with our friend Aaron. And one thing that came up was this comparison of humans and ants. Now, Kaylee, you're the rat detective. Mm-hmm. Is it a thing when you're talking about rats to compare rat behavior to human behavior? Yeah, I think it's really natural for almost all species to try to like anthropomorphize them a little bit or like give them human like characteristics or to see ourselves or aspects of human nature in them. I think it's especially common with rats because they literally are our neighbors. (laughs) Like there might be, (laughs) we might live with more rats sometimes than we do other people. So uh, I think it's really natural for us to do that, but whether or not those things we project on them are true is another issue. I mean, I think sometimes we just take our own baggage and put it on rats. <laughs> yeah. Like you're dirty. I'm like, uh, and let me not clean up my garbage at all. <laughs> so I think it's totally natural, but uh, maybe not yeah. always correct. Yeah. Well, Aaron certainly felt that way as well. And let's hear from them about how they feel about comparing ants to humans. 
So I think I typically like to draw them just because it makes it more personable to a lot of people. And it, it kind of makes people light up and be like, wow, they're more similar to us than I ever realized. I don't know. We, we, we get to see them as a very like single species entity as a group, This these ants. But really, when we talked about what we just did, there is this huge speciation event happening. There are these different species. They are very different from one another. And they have these very specific roles that they have uh, evolved into over time rather than learned or they are cognizant of, right? They don't have uh, value judgment on these things, whereas like we do. And if we put the behaviors in, oh, this is just something that like all species will do over time as they become intelligent. It's like, no, these ants are very different from us. They just happen to have these very similar kind of convergent behaviors, but they aren't cognizant of what they mean or how they're impacting the other species. They're just trying to survive. So if you didn't uh, hear Aaron's episode, definitely go back and check out that full episode on ants. You know, Kaylee, when I'm talking about space, I think it's it's something that I actually am actively interested in, in thinking about philosophy mm. and space. It's not anthropomorphizing space, but it is humans going out into space and the concepts of space. And so for me personally, I like to make those connections, but I think maybe when it comes to biology and animals that have their own systems in place, it can be challenging. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've got enough stuff to deal with on their own. Let's not give them our stuff to deal with too, you know? Which does bring up um, the next point of interdisciplinary work. So of course, you know, I'm talking about when I'm at the Space Center, we often try to bring in different perspectives from totally different fields. And I know, Kaylee, this is something that in academia is, you know, something that people want to do. And I know you are certainly very interested mm -hmm. in doing this, but um, how does academia approach uh, interdisciplinary work? Yeah. You know, actually I did a PhD literally in interdisciplinary studies. That is what my degree is. And I remember when I was just getting started or before I started that PhD, a lot of people were like, oh, do you think that that's a good idea? <laughs> like, is interdisciplinary studies mm -hmm. really a thing? And it's been quite incredible over the last seven or eight years to watch such a shift in how people think about interdisciplinary work in science and seeing the real value of it. Um, interdisciplinary work allows you to both ask and answer questions in really novel ways and usually very collaboratively in a way that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do if you were just restricted to your one field, right? Um, so that's something that Lauren Eckert brings up in our conversation with her about the value of that interdisciplinary work. So let's hear what Lauren has to say. Along with pressure for interdisciplinary research, there needs to be better support structures for interdisciplinary research, and we're not quite there yet. Uh, and I think one perspective that informs my thinking on interdisciplinary research is that I've had the great fortune to collaborate with Indigenous scholars and leaders. And Indigenous knowledge systems have uh, often have sort of an inherently more holistic viewpoints on knowing, especially in, in the context of the natural environment, that has informed the way I have grown as a scholar to ask questions about things like human-wildlife relationships. And so I think the Academy is expanding to understand the value of that more holistic thinking, but we don't have the structures in place yet to really uh, be moving towards well-supported interdisciplinary scholars or knowledge-bridging exercises, but hopefully we'll get there. 
So one of the main things that I'm hearing in what Lauren is talking about is how science is, you know, interdisciplinary, but it's also important that it is holistic. It goes even just beyond the disciplines Mm -hmm. in which we are thinking about things and talking about them to also think about like who's doing the work and who's collaborating together and how Mm -hmm. do we make sure everybody's voice is at the table. Is that something that you're seeing more and more in your field too, Michael? Oh, absolutely. Like the museum industry has been going through this process. It feels Mm -hmm. like at a snail's pace, like certainly from my perspective, like it's not going as quickly as I would like it, but there's lots of voices within the museum community that are certainly Mm -hmm. pushing it. And there's a push and pull because museums uh, like academia are rooted in very old systems in place that are being funded through old systems. And so all of the structure, you know, comes back to society as a whole so, you know, it's sometimes frustrating to see the the yeah. speed of the progress, but it's still progress. So our next clip is going to come from our episode with Dr. Alex Moore. We talked about mangroves mm-hmm. and all sorts of um, fun things uh, in uh, bogs uh, and uh, sort of swampy lands. Uh, I learned a lot in that episode. But uh, also, Dr. Alex Moore is actively involved in equity, diversity, and inclusion. And I find it's a really interesting approach uh, that they take, and they're actually just coming out here to the West Coast, to the University of British Columbia, where they now have a new professor. Uh, and so Alex gives their approach to equity, diversity, and inclusion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's not going to feel, I think, very different than what I've already done or what I have been doing. I think that incorporating issues around diversity, equity, and inclusion have been um, top of my list in everything that I do. And I just kind of continue, expect to continue to do that moving forward. Um, And so if you can think about these positions as being broken down between, you know, your teaching and your research and mentorship and um, service, which is amorphous and means a lot, um, I, you know, expect myself and expect those that I collaborate with and work with to really value these issues as much as they value the work that they do in their research. Um, And so, yeah, so my plan is really to take all of these uh, histories and different ways of approaching problems and ways to engage various stakeholders and and incorporate all that into my teaching and incorporate that into all of my research and have all of my students think about those important questions along with whatever other research questions they might be interested in. And and it's just going to be a part of everything. So it won't really, so it's a tricky question, right? Because it's not really how will it be a part of things because it is sort of inherently already a part of everything that I do. And, you know, in that clip, you heard Dr. Moore talking about equity, diversity, inclusion, and how it really is integrated in all aspects of their work. And if you listen to our podcast, you're going to know that we also care a lot about this. EDI is definitely a recurring theme (laughs) on this podcast. And it's something that I think we've been thinking a lot about and have certainly um, been integrating into Nerd Night uh, over the last, oh my gosh, how long have we been doing this thing? Who even knows now? For a while. (laughs) But it's such an important conversation and definitely a lot of our own work has been because of incredible community members who have either provided advice or recommendations or raised concerns uh, around ways to make Nerd Night a more inclusive Mm -hmm. space. So that's something we're really grateful to everyone who's a part of this community for, you know, being just that in community with us and sharing their perspectives and thoughts to make sure that we are creating 
safe spaces. Yeah. And I think as science communicators, it certainly was something that I started to think about that being a science communicator didn't just mean that I put on the hat of science communicator when I walked through the doors of my job. It is now something that is part of my life. Mm -hmm. And this relates to creating inclusive spaces because it's not just creating inclusive spaces in your place of work, but in your entire life, which means the conversations that you're having with your peers, with strangers, you know, on the street when you're not in that workspace. And so it is, you know, an approach that uh, you have to take in all aspects of your life. And so we go back to uh, Aaron Fairweather, who talks about creating inclusive spaces uh, in their work. Yeah. So on campus, there's been a little bit more of a push lately, especially to get um, more recognition for um, alternative peoples, different pronouns and making spaces where people can know that they're safe, um, especially in like downtown centers and bars and stuff like that. Um, so part of that work has been to reach out to the local business hold owners and that kind of thing and uh, get signs put up and that this is a safe space or that we accept all peoples here and that kind of thing. We don't tolerate um, any prejudice. And then at the university level, I've been involved in some work that is like creating videos and educational content for professors, faculty, and staff about the use of alternate pronouns and how to address people and like just bring that up in a classroom setting. Like if you were to call on somebody, maybe you ask their name and like what pronouns that you use before you actually like get them to answer a question or something like that. You know, one of the things that I love so much about this podcast and just nerd night in general is that we have the opportunity to learn from and with so many incredible folks that are doing work in so many different fields, right? We're like talking about ants and we had a clip from a wetlands episode and we had one on bear conservation. And then we've also done lots of conversations about health as well. How's your health feeling there, Michael? Mm -hmm. How are you doing over there? Oh, it's been, it's been wild uh, because I've gone through, you know, such a shift of being alone now needing to cook more than I ever have before, mm-hmm. actually thinking about the foods that I'm eating, having more time to research the foods that I'm eating instead of just like mindlessly throwing things into Uh-oh. my, into my face, you know? <laughs> and at the same time, getting older where like my body is changing, um, over the, seems to be mm-hmm. like over the course of, uh, right in front of my eyes. Uh, so it's been, interesting because I've now been very mindful about my health, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. But I know one thing, Kaylee, uh, you know, in this episode with Desiree, you know, (laughs) I know you were going through this process as well. And you, since you've got, you know, an expert uh, who thinks about these things and something that you have been thinking about is probiotics. And I know that you've been in, uh, you maybe have some in your fridge, maybe still have some in your fridge. (laughs) Um, But you asked Desiree specifically, what's up with probiotics? Yeah, I sure did. Because I think that people talk a big talk when it comes to probiotics enough that at some point in my life I have purchased them. And then the science seems kind of all over the place or also non-existent. So I was like, hey, Desiree, probiotics, what up with that? Okay. So everyone who is really serious about nerding out on this needs to read the psychobiotic revolution. Sounds like a super fad diety book, but it's actually written by like an amazing science journalist in um, collaboration with two hardcore probiotic and microbiome researchers from, I think, like County Cork, University of Cork or something, something UK, but having to do with Cork. 
Um, <laughs> and so that's an amazing book that talks about the association between different microbiota states and also then like the physio, the potential physiological basis behind it. Probiotics are really cool. Um, there's a huge backlash against them. There was a backlash against them, then a huge acceptance of them, and now a further backlash against them in sort of the medical community because there's a ton of crap on the shelves. Like, yeah. so like there's billions and billions of dollars worth of really poor probiotics and a really small handful of companies that are trying to make probiotics that like actually do good, you know, like help prevent C. difficile infections. Um, oh, and that, well, and that don't kind love of thing. C. diff, but right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not so even interesting. Got, it's not even C. difficile anymore, but it's late. Um, but yeah, so some probiotics actually do work um, and they have human clinical trials to show that they work. Um, as a whole, there's a lot of garbage out there. So I really caution people against just being like going to Whole Foods and being like, just give me any probiotic. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> and also against thinking that they're like a magic bullet because the biggest determinant of what that microbiome looks like is what you feed it. If you can trickle in a probiotic, but if you are not feeding it what it wants to be fed, it's not going to stick around. It's like inviting a bunch of vegans to a steakhouse. Like mm -hmm. they don't care that it's your 50th birthday. They're leaving. <laughs> True. I've been there. Right? Exactly. Yeah. You're like, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> not for me. Um, so yeah, so it's really, really critical. So a probiotic in our practice. And I've seen it like in, gosh, over a decade of private practice, I have seen probiotics do some pretty remarkable things for people um, who are on a lot of medications from a lot of really, really amazing gastroenterologists and probiotics help. I've seen other people were like, oh, I've been on this probiotic for like seven years. And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, yeah. I just think it's good. I'm like, but you're seeing me. So it hasn't made you better. But people yeah. sort of don't like if it's working, it will make you better. That's a really easy thing. So if you're like, oh, I've got like 50 bucks sitting around that I want to blow on a probiotic, go ahead, try it out for 12 weeks. But if you are no better in 12 weeks, put it away. So speaking of health, Kaylee, you yeah. know, something that I think has come up for both of us is this concept of burnout and how it can yeah. How can it approach you and how it can hit you in different ways? Like <laughs> for me, I was not working. I was uh, not socializing for a long period of time, kind of like very isolatory. And then all of a sudden everything happened at once. Mm -hmm. And then I was kind of like a little bit overwhelmed. It was like, Oh wow, everything is happening. It's like in a car, you know, immediately, you know, burning out the engine because you're like revving so fast, yeah. you know, what about you? Like what has uh, burnout meant for you over these past couple of years? Yeah. Burnout happened a lot. It was a lot different for me. Um, my burnout I experienced really around the time that I we were started this podcast. It was when I was um, finishing up my PhD, and I it had been building at that point for a couple of years. I think I was just doing a lot all the time. This, which is a joy, but like PhD and job, and um, and it kind of just always kept going. You know, there was always sort of like, okay, next week, <laughs> it, I won't have so many things mm -hmm. to do, and then yeah. it was like a year later, I was like, oh no. Uh, so for me, it happened really slowly and it is only in the last maybe like six months where I have really felt like I'm back to my regular pre-burnout self. So it took a really long time to recover from it for me as well. So I think it's mm -hmm. important to be mindful of burnout and 
thankfully, we've got folks like Farah Quaser who talk to us a little bit about managing burnout. So I feel like I'm both the best and worst person to answer this. <laughs> so I'm pretty terrible at saying no, but that is something that I've been working on a little better for the past few years. It's always been a work in progress. Thank you for saying yes to this, by the way. <laughs> it was my pleasure. I would have said yes to you on any day, Kaylee. But it is, it's really hard. It's so hard to say no to opportunities when you're just like, I can do that. It's just one interview. I can do that. It's just one meeting. But it all really piles up. And at the end of the day, you don't have as much energy. And kind of in these past few years, I've really been working hard on first, you know, setting boundaries. For example, I've just cut out Zoom on weekends. It's hard. Sometimes I cut out things, but I'm just like, I think I really need to go Zoom free on weekends to preserve whatever little sanity I have left in this ongoing pandemic. And I've just started trying to read more and just watch mindless TV and not worried about kind of time ticking by. I don't know if both of you have ever felt this, but Every time I go to school, I find that I can't really read for fun, and it takes some time to get back into it. Certainly some good perspectives there from Farah, someone who talked a lot us about uh, the policy of science. A really interesting episode uh, yeah. with her, if you had, haven't heard that episode. But one thing Farah brought up is reading for pleasure, which I thought was, was kind of fun. So I thought this might be a good opportunity for us to maybe nerd out and uh, talk about... Uh, Talk about our own uh, stuff that we're into these days. Oh my gosh, it's been so long since we nerded out. Yes, please. What you nerding about? What you nerding about? So, Michael, what mm -hmm. have you been nerding out over the last two years? <laughs> <laughs> Just two kidding. years. Just the last little while. Well, this is true because my nerd out is actually related to what I have been nerding out about for the past couple of years, which is baseball cards. But mm -hmm. uh, I have actually been reading a lot of books, uh, some of them audiobooks. Does that count as reading if it's uh, if it's an audiobook? Um, uh -huh. Maybe. Um, I'm part of a science book club, which uh, is mostly just a way for me to force me to read. But I came across a book that uh, has nothing to do with science, but my non-sciencey interest, and that's baseball. And it's a book called A High Five for Glenn Burke by Phil Bildner. Uh, and it drew me in not only because Glenn Burke, uh, the baseball player, um, had his baseball card on the front, uh, but Glenn Burke is known for a couple things. He is the first ever openly gay baseball player, uh, played in the late 1970s, uh, but was also the first person, Kaylee, at least recorded instance, to raise their hand and meet another hand, the first recorded oh, yeah. instance of a high five. <laughs> now, now this book actually is fiction. It's a young adult novel. Uh, it's about a young boy who does a presentation about Glenn Burke in their class, and it leads them on a path of coming out to their friends and classmates and teammates. Aww. And I randomly came across this book and started reading it. And because it's a YA novel, it's it just plows through the action and it just gets into all of these emotions. And I was like, whoa, this is so intense. <laughs> I haven't read a book like this in so long. Um, and you know, this book caught my attention because it's Pride Month, but also, you know, now doing research that not surprisingly, this book is banned in a lot of schools in the US. You know, it's actually set in Texas. And, you know, there's a lot going on in the States right now. It's really hard to have to <laughs> understand of the year, of yeah. the decade. You know, yeah, like this is our new reality. And that's, it's really hard to kind of like um, acknowledge that. But, 
the thing about this book is that understanding that there are still people, humans living in this new reality and things can change. And this book is a celebration of being yourself in the face of a lot of adversity. And, you know, the hero is an embodiment of that celebration. You know, the person who invented the high five. So um, that's, that's what I take away is like a nice little feel good story. uh, And who, who doesn't like a high five? Truly. And I love that. I like to think that setting the book in Texas was like a tiny rebellion. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Tiny little rebellions. Um, uh, Yeah, it's it's, it's wild uh, what's going on right now. But what about you, Kaylee? Uh, What if you had the time and uh, energy to nerd out about (laughs) non-work things? Good, good. Strong pivot. I love it. Um, Yeah, I... Oh, time. What is it? Where is it? I really have been enjoying um, something that is also sort of, I guess, pride themed. And I love me some RuPaul's Drag Race. I truly do. Okay. Always enjoy watching it. This season is especially good. It is (laughs) All Star 7, queen of all queens. You've got past winners who are all competing and... So you've already got folks who have won their seasons or or won other like or well they've won seasons anyway and they're all competing so they all have these beautiful looks that they create they're dancing most of them's pretty good <laughs> some of them recognize they're not dancers uh, some of them also yeah. recognize they're not sewers <clears throat> jinx but on the whole <laughs> what I love so much about this season isn't even the talent it's that nobody goes home. Like unlike in other seasons where somebody's sort of leaving every week in this episode or in this season, they all get to stay the whole time. Like there, you can win Mm. a legendary legend star and that can get you to the finale, but otherwise no one's leaving. And what I love about that is everyone has an opportunity to show their talents throughout the whole season. And I don't know, everyone, it just seems so much more I mean, RuPaul's Drag Race is literally just sunshine and joy in a bottle for the most part, but this is an especially joyous season, and I am so into it. Like, here's my schedule, okay? RuPaul's Drag Race comes out on Friday. I'm usually streaming it in the morning on Friday or a little bit later. Then I watch um, The Pit Stop (laughs) with Bob the Drag Queen uh, because (laughs) Bob does a recap usually on the next day. So I watch that. And then I watch a preview of the next episode on Thursday. So it is fully integrated into my schedule. So that's what I've been nerding out about. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, you know, it's certainly a theme in both of our nerd outs of celebration, of pride. Um, this is wonderful. I'm I'm so glad that we have wrapped up another season. Kaylee, thank you so much for all of the hard work and, and getting through that burnout um, and still energy to keep doing the quality of work that you're doing, especially with your other podcasts. If you have not checked out um, Nice Jeans, you should definitely go check that out. And as for this podcast, you know, maybe uh, check out their feeds. There may have some surprises coming out. No promises. Um, Thank you to everyone for sticking with us and uh, stay tuned. Follow us on social media. We'll throw out some info every now and then. Yeah. And yeah, back at you, Michael. This is always a highlight of my week or month, or whenever it is I get to see you. (laughs) But uh, I'll look forward to the next episode. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. This has been a real pleasure. If you want to hear more from us, you can follow us on our socials at NerdNightYVR on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. 
And uh, this episode was, well, hosted by us and edited by us and also uh, audio engineered by Elise Lane. And we'll hope to be back in your ears not too long from now, but until we meet again from both of us, from bonus, bonus episode, from bonus. <laughs> yes, you did summer. it. You did it. <laughs> Hags. Bye, everyone. Bye.